Welcome to Your Security, a podcast on walking victimless in today's world. I'm your host, Gabriel Grimes. And in this podcast, I discuss how to stay alert and situationally aware no matter where you are or where you go. Whether you're an international traveler, a busy mom, or just curious, make sure to subscribe to Your Security. It is April 7th, episode 44, and day 22 of the COVID response. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it has been 22 days since we have been self-quarantining, self-isolating, and getting to know our family better. <laughs> I love family. I really do. And um, But now we are getting into new, new grounds. I, I just didn't know my daughter did some of the things she did. Um, I'm just kidding. There's nothing that she's doing that's completely unusual. She's a teenager. But I'm definitely getting to know my daughter better. And that, if at anything, is a blessing, right? I hope so. I hope you're seeing the blessing in this as well as I am, as, as much as I am. I want you to know that today, believe it or not, is a super moon. Tonight at 9.34 p.m., the moon will be at its apex. In fact, um, my wife and I went out a little bit earlier and saw it, took videos and uh, photographs of it, which I had a better camera just, you know, to capture these big moons that we see outside. But I used my camera, my phone camera, and I took a, a uh, I guess a decent enough photograph. It was a super moon. It's called the pink moon, believe it or not. Now, I don't know how pink it was. It didn't seem pink to me. But um, it's called the pink moon. And uh, it signifies, according to the internet and the gurus uh, uh, <laughs> online, it signifies something new and good, a refresh, a refreshing uh, time, a renewing time. Bag, my goodness, we don't we need that? We certainly need that. And it coincides with Passover, which is kind of interesting. And I'm a, I'm a Christian. And Passover means a lot to me. Perhaps means a little bit more for my Israel brothers and sisters, my my Jewish brothers and sisters. But um it's it, it means a lot to me, the Passover. I'm thinking about you know, how many years ago, 2000, no, for almost 4,000 years ago, when the people of Israel left Egypt and God told them to put, you know, blood on their door frames so that the angel of death would not visit them, would pass over them. And I think that's just really a fantastic, it just gives us some fantastic imagery, especially now when everyone is concerned about the COVID. 19 virus which is a invisible you know enemy <clears throat> and it and and we, we paint our doors or we we consider being saved by by our by our god just like the people of israel were saved by their god by covering their doors from that unseen menace which is what is going on right now right it's beautiful so I, i'm hoping that all of you have a great Passover. <clears throat> Passover starts tomorrow, and I will post some more tomorrow. But um, in any case, <coughs> the the Passover and the supermoon coinciding so closely is definitely at least symbolic to me. So let's think about our. Let's go back to our numbers, our super numbers on our COVID nineteen. So let's look at our New York City. 
health management site and compare that with the John Hopkins University site. We, we've been doing this for the last three to four episodes um, of our podcast. So New York City yesterday reported 27 – New York City Health Management reported 2738 deaths. <clears throat> and then today they reported 3544. That's a jump of 806 deaths. So according to New York management, they lost 806 people for a total of, during this whole crisis, of 35.44. Now, in John Hopkins University, we have yesterday reporting 34.85 deaths, and then today they have reported 4,009. That's an increase of 524. So according to comparing John Hopkins and New York City, John Hopkins says that they only, that New York only lost 524 people, whereas New York City's health management said they have lost 806. Weird, right? Strange numbers. I think part of this, I mean, are these ignorant people? We keep on going back to this. Are these ignorant people? I don't think so. So I guess they're looking at it from different perspectives. But I, I, I am noticing that John Hopkins University see, says that 4,009 people have died in New York with coronavirus-related disease, and um, only 3,544 uh, have died in New York City uh, looking at the New York City Health Management site. So a difference of about 400, 440 uh, people. New York City was reporting that as a lower number, and John Hopkins as a higher number. Who's right? <clears throat> I don't know. Um, I don't know. I think uh, something's something's wrong with those numbers. But without any further ado, I want to just uh, talk about something else that's going on. Uh, you know, you know, President Trump is talking about. Yesterday we were talking about uh, communications, and communication is super important for crisis management. And what is also important in the crisis management is to know when is this all going to end. You know, this is crisis management. Crisis management, business continuity. The the head of the crisis management team must be asking himself two things on the first day, first meeting that they go to. The first one is, how do we stop the bleeding? That's number one, because we want to triage, right? How do we stop the bleeding? And then the second question that he should be asking is, when, what needs to happen? So what needs to happen so that we may go back to business as usual? And everyone needs to be thinking about that. First of all, we need to stop the wounds. We need to stop the bleeding. But the second thing is, how can we get the business rolling? And this is very, very important. I know many people are thinking it's it's cold, it's cruel. Why are you thinking we should be getting back to work? You know, people have died. And you know what? I understand that. I understand your point of view. But getting back to work is actually saving lives, not taking lives. Because the longer an organization and, I, and an organism, I call them organisms because they are living creatures. A business, a company is a living creature. It has a heart, it has a mind, it has a reason for being, and if it's not fed properly, and if it's not nourished, it will die. It can get sick, and it can die. So um, it, it, we must be paying attention to these things. And if you don't, and if we remain in a crisis long enough, 
the organization and the, the organism will die. The United States has put a pause on a lot of industries because of this virus. And this has affected many, many people besides the deaths of the virus. It's affected many people's livelihood. They can't, they can't make ends meet. And that is going to create a larger issue in the long run. <clears throat> Excuse me, in the short run, not even in the long run, in the short run. It's affecting people today, right now. People are not are not making ends meet. They're, they're, they're wondering where they're going to put, how they're going to put food on their table. And that's, that's very sad. <clears throat> so um, kudos to the president for talking about how we're going to get back on track. It's not easy. And, I, and um, something else that I noticed that he said today was he was talking about the WHO, the World Health Organization. He pointed out that the World Health Organization failed to address a lot of issues that were coming out of China. They failed to see the, the clues of the, the, the Wuhan flu and how it could possibly affect the world. And because of that, the world is, uh, is paying the price. And I think it's, it's very important for leaders to talk about these things as soon as possible because what happens is <laughs> people don't want to hear bad things about bad people. And, and you just kind of don't – you just want to turn your, your head and pretend it's not even there because I am dealing with a fire today. People are concerned that they're dealing with a fire today. Why am I worrying about the WHO? But – the WHO has a responsibility, and it's very important for them to, to correct those issues as soon as possible so that something like this doesn't happen again. <clears throat> and a crisis management leader needs to, be, uh, have, needs to have that authority and that power to do that, and he has to be clear about that. And um, I wanted to point out also that, uh, you know, what happens when you're at home, right? <clears throat> You're at home. You need to communicate with with your people at home. You need to communicate with your supervisors and and everybody else. And so, what is happening is people decided to use a social media platform called Zoom. It's a video platform that people use to um, to have video conferencing. Now, it's kind of like WebEx. And it's kind of like a go-to meeting, um, but it's free. It's free up to forty minutes, so you can record the video up to forty minutes, as it is now. It's free to record up to fifty minutes, so it's not going to affect your bottom line. <clears throat> and so many people, just a knee-jerk reaction, looked at this tool as a solution and just engaged with it, without really looking at the issues that the tool has. <laughs> Well, <clears throat> and this goes back to the very beginning of proper planning. Because no one planned, because no one even, it never even occurred to people that they were going to have to ever work from home. And they never really considered what sort of tools were out there that they could use to conduct business. And so Zoom was the first one that they saw online and they followed it. And only now are they finding out that Zoom has many security issues. Now, Zoom is addressing those issues <clears throat> to their credit. 
but we just haven't seen it get to where it needs to be. But it's a good point. It's, it's, it's something that we need to highlight. Zoom, <laughs> no, not Zoom, small businesses should have been planning for this crisis management contingency. Well, that is uh, my COVID-19 update. So what are you doing? What are you doing at home right now? Getting to know your family better. Today, I didn't cook a lot. See, I'm, the way I, I get through these things is I cook. I love cooking. You know, I love cooking. So yesterday <laughs> at midnight, I did a nachos, a not midnight nachos, and that was a lot of fun. But I did want you to know that I did do most of the six things that I told you were great for positive mental attitude. Exercise, sunshine, fresh food, no alcohol, being social, and getting into a good routine. So I exercised. I did 8,000 uh, meters on uh, the rowing machine. I got outside. I did walk around a little bit. It was muggy today. Oh, I'm in, I'm in Texas, and I'm in a muggy area in Houston. My goodness. I ate fresh food. I ate broccolis broccoli and green beans, and um, I had little alcohol. I only had one beer at the house. Social, I reached out to my dad, several friends. <laughs> they were making burgers. Boy, did that look good. And then routine. I was a little bit out of the routine part, but I did make sure that my, uh, my news intake was reduced to about, huh, about an hour. I'm really proud of that about an hour. Well, I hope you guys are doing well and you're sticking to those six things, if not more, of uh, steps on how to stay focused and stay positive in your mental mental attitude. If you like this podcast, please leave a message below. Give me a comment. Tell me what you're thinking about. You know, I'm trying to make this a better podcast every day. I'm trying to do something better. As you probably heard, I'm using a different microphone, and this microphone has picked up just about everything in the office, including me shuffling papers to find my notes. So give me a comment, leave something below, uh, forward this to other friends and family. I really, really appreciate it. It's my pleasure and it's my desire to pass on these tips, these these ideas and these thoughts, this, this knowledge that I've collected over the years to other people to make their lives safer and more secure. So thank you. And always remember, you are security.